Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Jordan and Garen back again talking about Garen's message on Nehemiah 1 that he gave on August 27th. And uh, Garen, we just talked about the fact that we both had whoopsie-doos with our cars over the lunch hour. Yeah. We both had some kind of like minor, not an accident. What would you call that? Like a... Like a just something. <laughs> we'll just call it something. Can we just stick at that? Both, we both had, we both had a something happen over so, the lunch hour. Yeah. Which how weird is that? Yeah. They that both we both would. Day. Yeah. Dude, I think Satan's trying to keep us out of the booth on this one. Yeah, I think so. About so this. if we're like yesterday, I talked about we're we so preoccupied with things that we can't occupy our space. Oh. So if on this one, if people are like they kind of seem a little off, like not on their game, they well, know why. Satan picked the wrong day because we're both so <laughs> locked in from your message yesterday. We we're we're zoned, baby. <laughs> Yeah, so last week kind of introed the idea of Nehemiah. This week, yep, talked about Nehemiah one. Got into Nehemiah one, and you know you started service with the book, the booklet. Yeah, you kind of said everybody got your booklet. If anybody didn't have it, they could raise their hand and get one. And so my question is this, Garen: Why? What's the importance of the booklet? Like, if I don't bring it, am I still going to get something out of it? Because I feel like asking us to do work outside of Sunday morning and journaling and thinking and reading, it's a, it's, it's a little much. So like, can I ignore that and still get good stuff out of Sunday or should I really do the book? Yeah. I mean, so part of the main purposes is I really, I, I have noticed that this, I haven't even talked to anybody about, I've noticed over time, like not many people have Bibles much anymore. I know we've got them in our phones. And I thought, one, that way I can get, like, we've got the words on a page. That was one thing, actually. The other, the, the big one is that page eight and nine, I wanted people thinking through, what are my spaces? Who are the people? Where do I see brokenness? If I identify three or four key to put on that right page, I wanted people having an intentionality of like, I'm a restorer. These are the places and these are the ways I need to do it. Because I to get us moved off of just, when we'll talk about this in a minute, but to, to give us a sense of like, those are the people, those are the spaces, and these are the ways. And, and I already saw last week people who told me just that activity, how much God like brought people into their lives or those people just got brought interactions. And also, they're well, going to be- that, that Mel story. Yeah, the Mel story. Wasn't was that great? so perfect. Yeah. And like, I heard multiple of those actually. Wow. But his was the one that was, well, I heard Friday most recent. Yeah. That, like, it's like he writes that down and takes some initiative. He and his wife both do, Amanda. And God's like, okay, you've taken some initiative. Like you stepped into the river, like in Joshua. Right. Now I'm going to part it, and I'm actually going to have her come across the street. Do you think God honors herself. that? Do you think God honors that? He sees I do. that initiative. I, yes, he, I think He's like, okay, you're becoming intentional about this. Then I'm also going to join you in it, and I'm going to make things happen huh. that'll kind of blow your mind. Wow, I do. Okay. I really feel like that's why I'm, I'm wanting us people to really have intentionality. 
There are a number of groups that are going to do this. So I want that those groups that they're sharing with each other, these are my people and spaces. Yeah. Can you be praying with me? Like reporting, like, how's that going? It doesn't have to be details every week. But then that, even that application that the groups are like, what did I learn this week that I can apply to me being restored in that place with that person? What did I get from? So I'm, I'm wanting us to have more intentionality with this series to not just, I'm just hearing things. Oh, that's a good idea. I want us like really thinking, who are my people? What are my places? How can I apply things Nehemiah did to those? Okay. So the booklet, if I'm hearing you right, is kind of our bridge out of Sunday morning into the real world where we take it and say, I'm going to be serious about this and yes. live it out. Yep. And then on top of that, it also kind of signals to the Holy Spirit, signals to God like, hey, I'm, I'm in on this. I, Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life yes. to open up those doors yes. now. And, and just like with Amanda and Mel and their neighbor, Terry, like who knows what God will, will open up for you if you commit to being serious about living this out in the real world, not just hearing about it on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Being a restorer where you're, where you're planted. And I think the other thing, and not everybody's going to do this, but I think if people could just learn some basic skills of how to look at the Bible more than just reading over the words, things like the word servant is in there eight times. That like screams something to me. The word prayer is in there a reform five times. Like though that's where I get these themes. It's I'm not just inventing these, like, oh, what are oh well, here are six things I think. Those things were flowing out of the text to me. So if if I can get not everybody's gonna do it, but if I can get some people doing that and learn that skill, like repeated just that, repeated words are important. Yeah. So that's that's part of it. That too. they can feed themselves. They can that do they it can actually right? feed, they can learn to go a little deeper with the Bible than just you read your chapter, close it, and you're done for the day. Yeah. So Man, there's kind of multiple things underneath you and, all you of You and it. Tim Mackey just <laughs> equipping the masses to go a little deeper, Garen. That's, uh, yeah, if we can all do that, how great, huh? That'd be great. You, uh, you have been talking about how this series is all about being a restorer. And I wonder if I'm the only one that feels this way. So I'll just mention it briefly, but I feel like this series has so far been really freeing. Sometimes a, a sermon series will challenge you in some way or will convict you in some way, or the work is really hard. Like it's good work, but it's hard work. And on this one, I just feel like it's really natural and easy. I mean, you are you are challenging us and, and equipping us to just be restorers wherever we are. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that everybody has in their soul already, whether they know Jesus or not. We were made in God's image and mm-hmm. he is a restorer. So mm-hmm. it's natural for us to see us see a space that we frequent and and just want to restore it, you know, and in whatever walk of life you live in. So for you to recognize that and um just give us some tools to do that. I feel like this series, like I said, is just really freeing and it's just natural for me to want to do that stuff. So I'm, I mean, I'm already excited about it. Yeah, cool. And that's kind of the point. And yeah, we're all created to, I think the three deep human needs God put in us is to believe, to put our trust into something bigger than us, to belong, to be in community and to become, to make an impact. And this is buried in all of us. We all want to make an impact. I think a lot of people are scared they feel like they're not able. We can get that in a minute with ability, you know, able and availability. Like I don't have the skills or I don't know what to do, but we all have that longing. So I'm just trying to like, give us a little nudge, get intentional. Who are the people and places? Let's just nudge ourselves out there. Let's learn some things from Nehemiah. Let's apply them in real life situations. Let's see what God does. Yeah. What, so, are, the, what are the three B's again? Uh, to believe, to belong and to become. To believe, to belong and to become. Okay. And then where does Big 12 fit in there? Is that like the and fourth B? The Big 12, yeah. The Big 12 would actually, because we're losing sorry, two, but the, gaining four. The Big 18 So the Big or 18 or whatever it yeah. is in flux is, that's kind of a little lower. You know, I haven't got taught the church that one yet, but we'll get to the, we'll get to that from B the later. three Bs to that. That's the, just the VIP membership at 12. Yeah. That's the, 
the legit content yeah. that comes with membership. And we won't even okay. talk about the SEC. So no, uh, that's a whole other acronym. Yeah. And don't get us started on Pac-12. Yeah, don't even. Oh yeah. boy. Well, Pac-2 now. Well, does even yeah, Pac-2 does it even exist? <laughs> the any, yeah, the Pac-2. <laughs> okay. Hey, Nehemiah one, you took us through it. We're gonna hit your six things you talked about briefly and give some pushback, ask some questions. We'll move through it quickly because we don't have a lot of time. But you started us off by talking about that book by Stephen Covey that talks about getting the first things first, right? Yeah. That when you set out to do something, you've got to get the first thing done right. Yep. Otherwise the rest is not going to yes. be good. And so um, for us and for Nehemiah, it looked like centering his life on God before he moved into this restoration of the wall Yeah. and making sure that he was good there. And because otherwise it just becomes a humanitarian effort, yes. right? Uh-huh. And it just becomes out of my own effort, my own ability, my own strength. Yeah. Instead of something that's flowing out of him. Yeah. I think that so often we, we mess this up. This first thing's first thing. Oh yeah. Um, we can do things, we can do good things for the right reason even, but we don't, for whatever reason, it's not rooted in Christ or we're trying to do it with some, maybe some underlying motive we don't even realize. And it just doesn't go the way we want it to, or maybe it even succeeds, but it just drains us. Yeah. And sometimes I look back at my life and I'm like, if I had put the first thing first, you know, if I had led that group a certain way or taken on this event in that way or reached out to this person and built this relationship, thinking of through the lens of Jesus first, yeah, it would have like uh, filled me up instead of draining yeah, me and right. it probably would have gone better yep. too. Yeah. If I'd prayed first, if I'd gone to God first about it, instead of me just figuring out what I'm going to do, yeah, which is my default. Yeah. So I think that's all of us though. Like my knee jerk reaction is maybe it's a guy thing just to fix it just to start immediately brainstorming on yes. how to restore the situation instead of taking a step back and inviting God into yeah, it. So I think I agree very much. That's why when I just, um, when chapter one unfolded before me, I'm like, this is all about God and him going to God. And I'm like, wow, this tells me so much about Nehemiah that this is the first thing he writes. And I'm like, this guy really had it right. He put first things first. So Nehemiah was never on my list before to like meet or talk to once we get to heaven, right? But like, we're learning things about him and it would be great to pick his brain. Oh yeah, dude. What the, and the more we get in, you're going to be like, I've got to talk with this guy at New Creation. Like, wow. So when the line is six miles long to talk to Moses, yeah. like, we'll, we'll pop over to Nehemiah. <laughs> yeah, we'll he'll go. Be, he'll be twiddling his thumbs <laughs> yeah. under the tree of life over there. Yeah. Oh, you guys, you read my book? <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh man. Okay, sorry. We, we digressed a little bit. It's the, it's the car things. They really threw us off yeah, today. Yeah, it did. It got us. We got to refocus in. We got to put first things first. Okay, so Nehemiah was a guy who did that. He, he lived a life that was focused on God. And, and you brought us through six points in Nehemiah 1 that kind of proved that. The first was that he was a man who shared God's heart, right? Break my heart for what breaks yep, yours, what, God. What breaks yours. Yep. Because we see that he is weeping over this. Yes. We see that God's people are scattered in the cities and ruins. And he doesn't just blow it off. I mean, it is deeply impactful to yes. him. And when I read that the first time, it was it, that's what stood out to me in the whole chapter um, was like, okay, God, how often do the things that break your heart really break my heart? Because mm -hmm. sometimes I don't think we're on the same page yeah. with that. And, it, and you're not the problem, I'm the problem. Yeah. Um, or the things that I see myself getting really upset about are not things that God really cares about. Yes. And so that's kind of this barometer almost of like, where am I with God? Are our affections lining up? Uh -huh. Are the things that break our hearts lining up? Yep. And that's how Nehemiah was. So he started, started in the right place. Number two was that he was a man of prayer, right? His first response 
was to go to God in prayer. Go God in prayer, right? And you know, and I gotta, I gotta give, I gotta give uh, a shout out to Adam just because I really want people who, who the Word of God is central, and the word. If I say something that's contrary to the Word of God, so in second service I asked, "What's the first thing he did once he heard this?" And my answer was, "Well, he prayed, and essentially he did." But it says he wept, and he fasted, and he prayed. <laughs> so Adam just goes, he wept. And that whole group around him heard that. And then I go, I didn't actually hear him. I heard something by him and I said, he prayed. And then everybody was kind of teasing him. But the truth is he was right. But the reality is, is he prayed because that's the interesting thing. But I just want to give a shout out to Adam that scripture matters to him. That's right. He was in it. That he really does have first things first because first thing was that he wept. So Adam, good job. Way to be a man of the word. Yeah. Um, He's not just blindly listening to you teach up there. He is in his Bible. That's right. He is in it. He's holding me accountable to it. But we all know the teacher's right. So really the first thing he did was he prayed. So Uh, Matt, yeah, I mean, you're still right. I'm still right. (laughs) (laughs) He prayed and it wasn't like, um, it was the second or third thing. It was the first thing. And to me, this almost seems impossible. Like that that would be my first reaction to something. But it's what, it's what a spirit that is fully submitted to the father does, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And it just reminds me that I got a lot of work to do if I'm going to get there too. Um, you talked about an acronym. Yeah. So I didn't mention this yesterday and I said that we would. About, I just want right? to say one quick thing because I didn't go into the detail of that prayer. But when I teach people to pray like new believers in a discipling relationship, I'll say, here's a real simple acronym that I even still walk through most every day. It's P-R-A-Y, pray. So I start with, I praise God for who he is. And then R, I repent. I confess my sins from the day before that day. A is I ask. I ask for others. I ask for myself. Y is I yield. And that prayer is set up in that way. He starts by saying, Lord of heaven, you are the great and mighty, awesome God. You keep your word and all of that. So he starts with praise. And then he jumps in and he he repents. He says, this nation has done this. We've sinned against you. My family, I have sinned against you. So he does the R. And then he asks, he asks, would you remember your people? So he prays for others. Um, he says, give me favor. And to me, that yield, it's in that last one when he says, give me favor for the king. He's saying, I'm available. We'll get to that in a minute. But he was yielding his life. So I just wanted to point out, like if somebody hasn't heard that, that's a great way to model your prayer after. And if you look at his prayer, it actually follows that. So that's just kind of a cool thing. That's what you... You couldn't fit in yesterday. So a yeah. little bonus content little here bonus, on so. the podcast. Number three, he was a man of the word. You talked about all these references in his prayer to the Old Testament, to the prophets, to the yep. words of Moses, that he was praying back to God, promises that God had made Abraham and Moses and saying, God, remember this prayer. Yeah. And so he wasn't just a guy who had learned the Old Testament in school, but it was really intertwined with his soul. Yeah, it was. He relied on those prayers deeply and he brought them back to God in times of need. Yeah, yeah. He was saturated with the word so much so that it's what came out of him and he prayed it back to God. And I just think that is just so cool how, how word-centered. And it's, it's not surface, but when you get into that chapter, you're like, whoa, he's referencing the word of God a lot. Like, it, And I know from the book, because I know the whole book, you will see it matters to him in a lot of places, but you can even see it in that prayer. So I just thought it was cool how much pr- the word was embedded in his prayer. You talked about it a little bit Sunday, but can you talk more about why, I don't know, maybe a couple of questions. Why the need to bring up these promises to God? Because he's God, he knows what he said. So that's question one. And then question two, isn't it a little bit like out of line for him to be challenging God on this? Like, God, remember you said you would do this. 
To me, that's a little bit like he's forgetting his place. Can you unpack that? For yeah, us a little that's bit? a good question because um, it could be done in that kind of way. I think what it's doing, and I kind of said this towards the end of that section, is I just said that if I if I pr- if I pray back to God a promise He's made, what I'm showing Him is I care so much about His Word that I not only know it but I actually believe it, and I know He's going to do it, and I'm like would you please do this? I just want so bad for you. Will you return? I want you to return because this world's messed up. So it's not me lecturing him. It's like, I know your word and it's important to me and it's in my gut and I long for this to happen. So to me, it's just the cry of a heart that knows God, that loves him, that trusts him. But it's like, ah, it's still been a while. Can we make this happen? Because like we're dying down here kind of thing. Right. I don't know. That's my. And is that a place that we can go with God too? That we can say, God, you promised this in your word or God, you call yourself healer. Like show me that that's something that we can do with God as well. Yeah. That we can call out him and his character. We know who he is. And yeah, I think that's part of. What you're describing here is something that is a relationship. It's not just like I go to church, I pay my tithe. I pray for people who are sick. It's like, you see a real pleading here yeah. and a lot of emotion. Right. Yes. And that's what this, I mean, that's yeah. what it is to truly know the yeah. father, right? Yeah. And that's the next one, which is he had a passion for God. Yeah. And it, so it, hold, it shows in all Garen, of this. I, I'm, I'm leading the podcast here. Oh, you're, so you're number, the one that's driving Number this. four. Uh, yeah. He had a passion for God. So <laughs> Yeah. Okay, and so. all that comes out of that passion, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's all evidence. And I feel it through that whole chapter. You you sense his passion for God. Is that that same word, kana? Because is, isn't that, or is that zeal? Yeah, is the it, word zeal, it's not in this chapter. Okay. But he had a passion for God. Okay. That's why he- Because I remember you said that God, what was it? God had zeal or passion for oh, us? Or? That was a passage in Isaiah I'd read right. like a week but ago. A different word. Uh, different. Okay. Yeah. Not the same. But just that he says like those, I love you and it's that ahab, which is a really deep affectionate word. Oh yeah. A-H-A-B, ahab. Uh-huh. So just his passion for God and for his name and for his glory, for his reputation, just- yeah, it's so obvious. And- talk, can you talk for a second about Ahav? Because you said it was a Hebrew word for love. I know in Greek, we got all the different forms of love and uh-huh. they're very specific. They mean very specific things. You know exactly what it's talking about. When it mentions one, is it the same way in Hebrew? Are there lots of words for love? Yes. How does Ahav uh-huh. fit into that? There are several words for love. There is one that's more of a sexual love. And I don't remember off the top of my head what that one is. But there are several different words. And the Ahav is very much a word of of deep, deep love, deep affection, deep, you know, somebody's dear to you. Okay. is what that word conveys. And, and you mentioned a few ways. You said uh, it, it almost sounded like it covered a lot of different kind of relationships. It does. You were talking uh-huh. about it. You said between lovers, you said between Jonathan and David, like a yeah, friendship. Friend. You uh-huh. talked about um, between parents. Nehemiah and God, yeah. between parents and yeah. kids. Abraham with Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a word that's that's kind of covers multiple relationships, but it really is about deep affection. Like agape kind of, or is it different than that? No, agape is, is a, will, a word of the will. Of okay. a choice. Okay. It, yeah, the, the, the difference in the Greek, they've got a word for family love and they've got a word for friend love and they've got a word for erotic lover love. This word covers more relationships. But it's just more the idea of a very deep affection hmm. that can cross different kinds of relationships. So you said agape, this isn't where it was supposed to go. Sorry, I'm just curious. Agape, you said is more of a choice, like you choose uh-huh. to agape it's someone. It's choosing. Ahav, is that more of like an emotion or a feeling? Uh-huh. Like it's I just an affection. for you. Yeah. Okay. That's why it's frequently translated beloved. Okay. Dearly loved. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's good. All right, number five. Um, he was a man who served God, right? He lived under God's authority. He didn't uh, forget his place, Yeah, essentially. He knew that God wasn't his bellhop. 
Yes. That that's not why God existed. Right. That God was the creator and that his role is, is he saw himself as a servant. That's how Paul starts a lot of his epistles, right? Yeah. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Right. And Nehemiah was the same way. Again, because that word is eight times in that prayer. And that just, that jumps out at you. It's like, this is really important. To me, that's got to be one of the big takeaways for us. I think in, in our cultural moment, it's really easy to come to church and just want to be served. Yes. And not with an evil heart or anything. Right. These people are well-intentioned, right? But it's just natural to come to a place and forget that you're part of the body. And, and it's like people are relying on you to give just like you're relying on others to give of talents and gifts. So... Yeah, the fact that the word servant was mentioned eight times is not a mistake here. And I think that's a key part of who Nehemiah was. Yes. And probably what he's challenging us with too. Yep. Is to find our space and to serve somewhere because if we truly are a part of the body, then it's something that yep. we need. We're not primarily consumers, we're primarily contributors. And that's yes. what he was. Right. Because if he if all he cared about was himself and a consumer, when they showed up, he wouldn't have asked about that question about that place. Because he had bigger things in his mind. It just wasn't like, hey, let me tell you how life is in the palace. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. The wine I get to taste every day and the right. food I get. He's he's worried about bigger things because his heart's somewhere else. Yeah. If you could say something to the body at 12th about serving and service and being a servant as far as our moment here right now and the needs that are present, what would you say to our body? I'd say Nehemiah chapter three, <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter three is almost like first Corinthians 12 to me. And we're going to see in, in Nehemiah three that, pe- that they needed people in every gap and people stood up and, and took that challenge and filled the gaps. And that yeah. if, if they did that in the Old Testament, people of God, if we who follow Jesus and have the Holy Spirit in us who gifts us, then we need to be people who stand oh, in the so gap. Oh, that's so cool. Because Gary and I read Nehemiah 3 today, this morning. That was my time. And I got to tell you, I read it and I was like, I don't know what he's going to do with this. Because it does, I mean, I literally skimmed it. Because it's just like, and this family stood in this gap and this family built this gate. Uh-huh. And, and to hear that take on it, oh, that's going to be good. Yeah. And there's other, some other details in there that are really cool. Oh, cool. But yeah, that, that is, oh, that's, neat. that's okay. where we're going to go with that chapter. That's a preview in like three weeks. So. Okay. So if you don't want to be challenged, then miss that Sunday for sure. <laughs> okay. Got it. Okay. Number six, final one. He was a man who was on mission with God, right? He, and I didn't think about this, but he traded the palace lifestyle for, you know, a hammer and a sweaty brow. And enemies and people that are going to attack you. Yes, and and people, he's continually ridiculed. Yes. He's, yeah, it's, it is not easy. Yeah. And the people don't want to do squat. Well, they, they jump in, but there's just so much that goes on and you're like, that he, that he yeah. It's, this summer it hit me from something, I think it was Warren Wiersbe that really struck me. He gave up a lot. And that really, I'm like, wow, he really, and yeah. he knew that. Is there a little bit of like foreshadowing intentionally towards Jesus who would give up his position or is it just, no, if I that's, find, yes. there was a little bit of that? I think so, yeah. Because he, I mean, Jesus, same thing, gave, and he obviously knew more of what was in store him uh-huh. on earth. Nehemiah probably, I don't know if Nehemiah knew it would be as hard as it was. He knew it would be probably tough, but I mean, that Jesus gives up his position with the father to come yeah, down and right. be ridiculed and killed, right? Dude, you're, you're like very Tim Kellerish right now that Jesus is the greater Nehemiah, the one who left. Is that what Keller would say? Yeah, he would say, this is one way that we see that, that, that yeah, if you think Nehemiah is great, imagine giving up, you know, the kenosis, Philippians 2. You give up all your benefits of heaven to come down to this suffering earth. Right, yeah. To be a restorer here, to reconcile, renew, restore all things back yeah. to yourself. But it means your death, because it didn't mean his death. Yeah, so that, yeah, Jesus is the, 
is the greater Nehemiah. Huh, so cool. Good, good job, man. Thanks, man. Um, okay. Now so, I don't have to do the last sermon. I was going to do to wrap up the series. We just took care of it. So <laughs> good. There we go. We're out early. <laughs> About time we're out early in church. I tell you what. Um, okay. You said something during this part that I want to shout from the rooftops. Okay. You said it was more about being available than being able. Is, yeah. Did I say that right? What God wants more than my ability is my availability. There you go. That's how you and, said it. Yeah. And my greatest ability is my availability. Yes. There's so many times where I think we sit in the seats and we're like, I'm not good at that. Yeah. I don't have any connections. Yep. I don't know if I'd be helpful. Yep. I'm not you're good You're available. Yes. Like it's just you're available. Step in the gap. And if step you'll do that, gap. yeah. like again, Mel, they write down that name. Yeah. I'm available, Lord. I'm putting her name down because yeah. we want to know this one in particular. Right. And then that week, God makes that she comes, the water is out and she comes across the street. There was nothing special about Mel's connection with that neighbor. He never thought like, oh, you know, there's a, I'm the one specifically to reach out. He just made himself available. Yes. And there are a thousand moments like that each day for us where we just write it down or just say, God, I'm, I'm here for it and keep eyes open that he's going to open doors for yeah. us. So. Um, and again, that's why the booklet, like to get us to think, what are those people in spaces? And if I'll just say yeah. now, Lord, okay, my eyes are open or I see this more clearly. I'm available. Right. What, what's he, let's see what he'll do. Yeah. And within so. the body too, right? Around here at Oh 12th. yes, very much the same thing. It's like, there's a need. Maybe that's not my greatest thing, but yeah. my kids all the time, what I'm asking of my kids is just be available. Come help me pull weeds. I know you don't have the spiritual gift of pulling weeds, but I need your help. Same yeah. thing that in the body, like, okay, I'm willing to chip in. Okay. And then uh, you asked us to kind of just pick two out in the audience. So I'll go, I mean, just really quickly, um, a man who shared God's heart, a man of prayer, a man of the word, a man with passion for God, a man who served God, the man who's on mission. So if there were two that we needed to work on, you kind of challenged us with that, right? Yeah. So that was our kind of homework was to think about that. Think then, about that. And then you brought us into up, in and out, which I know we've talked about before, but um, what was the transition like into that? How did well, we get there? The, the two I think are most important are word and prayer. That if I'm in the word and prayer, then I'll have his heart. I'll, I'll have passion for him. And so the need just to be in the word and prayer. And so that up in and out is that walk with God, but that's the first one. And so I've got to be walking with Jesus. And if I'm walking with him and then I'm abiding him and then I'll bear much fruit, but without him, I can do nothing. And then we did this diagram of the, you know, and we all, we've all been there where I'm trying to serve purely out of my own self. I'm not walking with God. And I know what happens is what comes out of you is the junk of the flesh. And it's your own strength. And it doesn't help people. Mm -hmm. Doesn't help your kids. Doesn't help your spouse. Doesn't help your neighbors. And that we've got to be in the flow of the spirit. And we've got to be walking with him. That means I'm spending time in the word and prayer. And I'm can, and not as a checkbox, but right to encounter him so that the spirit can flow through me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, if you were here on Sunday, or if you know Garen and have seen this before, but it's that really cool image of the, the house kind of at the bottom of the hill with the well that's right outside. That's the well that leads to death, right? It's our sinfulness. And it's just like when we wake up and we're just ourselves without, without letting Christ's word richly indwell us, mm -hmm. we just bring what we bring to the table yep. and it's not helpful. It's not what helpful. Talking about. It's but not if good. we will ascend the hill, go to the well that takes some effort and some intentionality, it goes deeper. And that's where the Holy Spirit yeah, is. Yeah, where right? I connect to the Holy Spirit and I'm like, I'm here, I want to meet with you. Right. And so then out of this well springs his fruit, yeah. right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, which is what you need to be restored is yeah. that stuff. Yeah.
And it's not this message of like, you're so evil, you're so junky. It's just this message of what does Romans tell us? That we're broken, right? That there's nothing good inside us. And so if we just reach down inside the well of ourselves, which is easily accessible, we're going to pull up junk. Yeah. And it's just this need to actually go to him. And it kind of brought us back full circle to your first point that we've got to start Mm -hmm. with God. First things first. Because Nehemiah got first things first. He recognized he had to pull from God's well, not his own. Yeah. And that's what enabled him to do this so well. Yeah. So you kind of left us with that. Yep. Good connector. That is, it was, it was trying to bring us back to the beginning again. And this is what first things first looks like and why it's so important. So that's why I want to do that visual. And I'm like, I want to visually, what's that? Why is this so important? What's what well am I drinking out of? And what am I giving people? Right. So cool. Okay. Well, there is Nehemiah 1. And now we're off and running, man. Yeah. Off and running. And one of 19 done, right? Yeah. Well, one of, yeah, one of a bunch. 13 chapters. Oh, 13. 13 chapters. There's two chapters we're not going to get into that are just basically genealogies. Okay. Three, when you first look at it, you're like, "Uh, I don't know. But actually, there's some richness in it that we'll get to. And yeah. So, but even when we get done, we're going to hit, so 11 chapters. And then I want to come back at the end and do two things that I think are really cool that come out of Nehemiah. So I'm going to keep those cards under, like keep them in my, in my hand right Right. now. Don't show your cards yet. Yeah. Not show those two yet. Well, cool. We're looking forward to it. Guys, you are challenged and sent to be restorers and to get first things first that when we go out and restore, it's not out of our own strength. It's not out of our own desire to be good people. It's because Christ has done a work in us and we join him in the mission to restore all things back to him one person one place at a time. So that's what we'll try and do this week. All right. Thanks guys. We'll see you.